When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hi, everybody. Tony Richards here with a new episode of Better Than Before on the C-Suite Radio Network. How you doing today? Coming up, we got a great show. I've got a quote of the day I want to share with you. Amazon's elusive fourth pillar. National days of celebration for the next seven days. An unused $5 bill is wagered by one of the richest men in the world on a college football game. I'm going to tell that story to you. And also... An interesting fact of the week from my friend John Jennings, my favorite top 41 hit wonders of all time, and how do teams set their priorities? That's all coming up today on this episode of Better Than Before, and we kick it off with our quote of the day. It wasn't just wealth itself that put me in that position. A lot of it was sheer stubborn curiosity. Whenever I served on a corporate board, I was notorious for asking more questions than any other director on the board. I didn't give a crap if my question showed how stupid I was. Ken Langone, one of the founders of Home Depot, that great quote. All right. Amazon has been looking for its fourth pillar for quite some time, and it was mid-2021. Jeff Bezos, infamous founder of Amazon, stepped down as CEO 27 years after he launched the e-commerce giant out of a garage near Seattle. One of his final big questions, what will Amazon's fourth pillar be? Finding another wildly successful business, which it internally calls the fourth pillar, has been at the center of Amazon's leadership focus for years. Amazon became a household name on its first pillar, the dominant online marketplace that it features. Its second pillar, Amazon Prime, has driven billions in steady subscription revenue. And its third pillar, Amazon Web Services, also known as AWS, provides cloud computing services to corporations and governments. What will the fourth pillar be? Well, it's become one of the world's most valuable companies, creating sky-high expectations for the next big thing. That's a very high standard to be a new business pillar, Bezos has said. He also alluded to Amazon's need to carve out dominant businesses that last. A dreamy business, he wrote in his 2014 letter to shareholders, is one where customers love it. It can grow to a very large size. It has strong returns on capital. 
and it's durable in time with the potential to endure for decades. In 2021, as Bezos stepped down as CEO, he said there were a lot of contenders for the fourth pillar to sustain the dreamy business of his, but nothing's risen to that level, at least not yet. In my opinion, it would be premature to declare anything a fourth or fifth pillar at this time, he said in 2021, but we do have a lot of contenders. Just to mention a couple, you can think of things like Amazon Alexa and Amazon Studios, and there are many more. But you can be sure of one thing. We will be working very hard to turn these things into our next pillars. As Apple searches for another pillar like the iPhone and Alphabet expands its Google search, Amazon wants to continue innovating to maintain earnings growth and satisfy its investors. The company's core online shopping business, Prime and AWS, account for almost 90% of its gross sales. CEO Andy Jassy recognizes that a fourth pillar, ranging from grocery to logistics and healthcare, would diversify its revenue and keep its flywheel in motion. Six years ago, many thought Amazon would be the next king of groceries. Amazon bought Whole Foods for $13.7 billion in 2017, and onlookers thought it would transform the industry. And while Whole Foods remains popular, Amazon has not dominated the grocery industry. Amazon's initial grocery goal included bookstores, Amazon Go cashierless stores, and Amazon Fresh grocery outlets. But the efforts haven't panned out as they expected. It closed its bookstores, shut down most Amazon Go stores, and paused new Amazon Fresh openings. Whole Foods changes have been limited. Hey, Alexa, why aren't you better by now? Well, all kidding aside, many AI experts have said Amazon has fallen behind in the race for AI. For years, Bezos and Amazon wanted to emulate Apple's success in the hardware space with products like Alexa, but that has not materialized either. Expanding the capabilities of Alexa and integrating it into more aspects of daily life could be an opportunity, but it's an increasingly competitive space. Since Alexa was released, similar devices have emerged. Other possibilities for a fourth pillar include healthcare. The industry is huge in the United States, and perhaps Amazon will crack the code for an industry still dominated by big pharma. One possibility would be delivering prescription drugs within hours or other medical care tapping into its advantages. Original content and streaming. Amazon has invested in content production for Amazon Prime Video to compete with other streaming platforms. Bezos cared about getting this segment to par with Netflix and other streaming services and investing billions in Prime Video. Amazon also has live sports rights and spends more on content than anyone but Netflix. Advertising. Amazon's advertising segment, where third-party retailers advertise on Amazon, has shown much promise, generating about $37.7 billion in revenue last year. That's double from 2020's revenue amount, and it's now a legit competitor to Google and Meta. Amazon accounted for nearly 12% of U.S. digital advertising revenue in 2022. That's up from 4% in 2017. What about logistics and delivery? Could Amazon eat up even more of the shipping industry with faster drone delivery? It's not just for Amazon products either. The company could ship packages for other businesses, not just sellers on its site. 
with one-day and same-day deliveries. Amazon doesn't really need a fourth pillar, of course. Some investors say it should double down on its ultra-profitable marketplace and AWS businesses. Others say it's pursuing way too many ideas rather than focusing on the disruptive businesses only Amazon can run. But Bezos and Jassy have emphasized their desire for another big hit. In their minds, experimenting with many ideas might one day lead to Amazon's next monumental achievement, driving the company's valuation even higher. With a fourth pillar, we're a completely different company, Jassy said last year. And uh, as an Amazon investor, I am tremendously interested in what they will be able to do. All right, let's look at the National Days of Celebration we've got coming up today on September 26th. It's National Compliance Officer Day. It's National Situational Awareness Day. It's National Dumpling Day, National Pancake Day, National Johnny Appleseed Day, and National Shamu the Whale Day. On Wednesday, September 27th, it's National Day of Forgiveness, National Scarf Day, National Corn Beef Hash Day, National Crush a Can Day, National Chocolate Milk Day, and National Women's Health and Fitness Day. On Thursday, September 28th, it's National North Carolina Day for all you Tar Heels out there. It's National Drink Beer Day, National Strawberry Cream Pie Day, and National Good Neighbor Day. On Friday, September 29th, it's Urban National Wildlife Refuge Day. It's National VFW Day. National Coffee Day, National Government Men's HIV and AIDS Awareness Day. On Saturday, September 30th, it's Orange Shirt Day. That should make all the Denver Bronco fans happy. It's National Love People Day, National Save Your Photos Day. It's National Ghost Hunting Day, National Hot Mold Cider Day. It's National Mud Pack Day, National Chewing Gum Day, and National Family Health and Fitness Day usa so go out for a walk and then go to the spa and get a mud pack for yourself so those are the national days for september let us look at october the first it's you've been waiting for it all this time and it's finally here on sunday is national pumpkin spice day national black dog day national hair day national homemade cookies day and national fire pup day on Monday, October 2nd, it's National Smarties Day, the candy Smarties. It's National Produce Misting Day. It's National Consignment Day, National Fried Scallops Day, National Name Your Car Day. Uh, how many of you have names for your car? I am currently driving the Blue Tornado. It's National Child Health Day and National Custodial Workers Recognition Day. And those are the days of celebration for the next seven days. Yesterday, Sunday, September the 24th, was National One-Hit Wonders Day. And I have formulated in a list my favorite one-hit wonders of all time as pertains to the top 40 popular music list. If we were to do country or jazz or something else, we'd have different. And I didn't consolidate them and try to pick from all different formats of music. I just decided to go with top 40 and a lot of songs flew through my mind. Everybody was Kung Fu fighting by Carl Douglas. Also what's up by the four non blondes went through my mind. 
Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. Let's see, Bust a Move by Young MC. Remember that? That was one of the that was back when rap was just first starting to penetrate the music business. Quiet Riot, come on, feel the noise. That went through my mind. Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. What I am is what I am. Remember that? OMC, How Bizarre, went through my mind. In My House by the Mary Jane Girls. And and you're going to have to understand that my musical choices here are going to be really dominated by the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I've thrown some 90s songs in there that, that have flown through my brain when I was thinking about this. Smoking in the Boys' Room by Brownsville Station. Loving You by Minnie Ripperton. 8675309 Jenny by Tommy Two-Tone. Let's see, what else did I write down under consideration? Love Fool by the Cardians. In a Big Country by the band Big Country. Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. I Melt With You by Modern English. That one almost made the top five. Pop Music by M. Stumbling In by Susie Quattro. Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice. You Light Up My Life by Debbie Boone. Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-A-Lot. Let's see, what else? Tainted Love by Soft Cell. The Macarena by Lost Del Rio flew through uh, my mind. Mambo Number 5, remember that? Let's see, how did that go? Uh, a little bit of Monica in my life. A little bit of Erica by my side. A little bit of Rita's all I need. A little bit of Tina's what I see. A little bit of Sandra in the sun. A little bit of Mary all night long. A little bit of Jessica, here I am. A little bit of you makes me your man. Da -da 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 Mambo number five. Hey, remember that? Oh, my gosh. I hadn't thought about that in so long. So I thought about all these songs and I thought about, OK, what's my top five? So number five, I would have to say of the top 41 hit wonders of all time, my number five would be Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry in 1976. And all five of these are going to be in my very formative years of listening or being involved in the music business. So I think I've got four 70s songs and one 80s song. So number four would be Afternoon Delight by the Starland Vocal Band from 1975. Number three is the only 80s song I included, and that is Come On Eileen by Dexie's Midnight Runners. Number two from 1976, Turn the Beat Around by Vicki Sue Robinson. And the number one favorite, of Tony Richards' all-time one-hit wonders has to be the Andrea True Connection from 1975 and their big hit, More, More, More. How do you like me? How do you like me? More, more, more. Remember that? So those are my top five, top 40 music one-hit wonders of all time. All right. An interesting fact of the week. I get an email from John Jennings, who's an investment fella in St. Louis. He sends me an interesting fact, and you can get that, too, if you go to his website, johnmjennings.com. And this interesting fact is called More Than Just Fun and Games, The Four Types of Play. I didn't know there were four types of play. It interested me so much. 
And it was such an interesting fact. I thought I'd share it with you today on this show. Roger Calois, a French psychological anthropologist, has divided play into four categories. Number one, competition. This includes sporting events, racing, board games like chess, video games, and the like. Activities in this category require sustained attention, appropriate training, diligent application, and a desire to win. So competition is the first kind of play. Second kind of play is chance. This type of play requires chance to be a major component in the outcome. Think roulette, games relying on rolling dice, betting games, and cards. Number three kind of play is simulation, mimicry, involving suspension of reality and illusion. Alternate realities are created. Play that falls within this category are dance, theater, and the arts in general. Children's pretend play also falls within this category. And the fourth type of play is called vertigo. The goal of activities in this category include an attempt to momentarily destroy the stability of perception and inflict a kind of panic on an otherwise lucid mind. Think about spinning, swinging, racing downhill, sledding that are enjoyed just for fun. Also included are more structured activities like amusement park rides, tightrope walking, skiing, and mountain climbing. And I have no desire whatsoever to play vertigo-type play. So the four types of play are competition, chance, simulation, and vertigo. So the next time you're looking to do something for fun and you're trying to figure out what your choices could be, there's four categories from John Jennings on the kind of play. And he says, sometimes activities fall within more than one category. Skiing, for example, is also vertigo and also competition. And poker is a combination of skill and chance. So there you go. Next time you're thinking about doing something for fun, there are your four kinds of play. And then also, before we get to our feature this week, I want to share this story with you about the big football bet. So Warren Buffett has an excellent record when it comes to betting on stocks and businesses, but he came up with a loser earlier this year in a football bet on his beloved Nebraska Cornhuskers. You may remember Warren lives in Omaha, Nebraska, and he's a big Cornhusker fan of the University of Nebraska. And Chevron CEO Mike Worth told Barron's Andy Serwer that he and Buffett made a small wager on a big game back at the beginning of September between Nebraska and the University of Colorado Buffaloes. Berkshire is Chevron's second largest shareholder with a 5.9% stake, currently valued at $20.5 billion. And Colorado smoked Nebraska by a score of 36 to 14. Worth attended the school and is a big fan of its football team, which has been getting a lot of attention and money by winning games. They are undefeated after their first three contests, but they did lose this weekend. Sorry there, Mike. Coach Prime Deion Sanders is the former NFL Major League Baseball star who's the only person to have played in both a Super Bowl and a World Series, and he is currently the coach at the Colorado Buffaloes. But in an email... Buffett wrote that before the season began, he put $5 on Nebraska to win, even though he knows Worth is far smarter than he is in finding oil and gas and knows what other mental endeavors he has. 
After Nebraska lost, I sent my $5 to him by Federal Express. He won fair and square. He had no inside knowledge about Colorado. Fortunately, I had $5 in my wallet that I had not touched for decades. I have $5 in my budget for football in 2024. There's no fool like an old fool, Warren said. He said, Worth says he's happy Colorado's football team is doing so well and that Berkshire is a Chevron stakeholder. Finding a FedEx package from Warren Buffett on my desk is just a little icing on the cake. So Warren had $5 in his wallet that he hadn't touched for a long, long time. And, you know, he's infamous, too, being a billionaire and all and being the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway and, you know, has so much money. He is infamous for working for a salary of $100,000 since he's been uh, the CEO at Berkshire. And that takes in a long time. And that he also has lived in the same house for years as well. All right. Today's main subject, how do teams set priorities? Well, success within any organization or venture can always be attributed and traced back to the resulting sum of all the decisions made by the people involved in the venture, or i.e. the executive team. The actual level of success achieved will therefore be attributable to the quality of those decisions. And in order to be more successful than their competitors, teams will need to identify and make the right decisions on the key issues in the business and within their industry. Typically refer to those key issues as priorities. Setting priorities represents the first discipline of execution. Remember last year, we talked about execution throughout the year. And the first discipline involved is how you set the most important things that you need to execute. We call those priorities. So how does a team come up with their priorities? Well, there's a lot of approaches teams can adopt to help them identify the areas where key or better decisions may need to be made. One of those ways is by doing a SWOT analysis, looking at the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats inside the business and the marketplace. This internal view will typically be captured by the leadership team, considering the inherent strengths and weaknesses of the business. And many teams are quick to dismiss their strengths as a source of relevant priorities and are tempted to go straight to identifying all the various weaknesses in their business. This approach can lead to a long list of potential priorities or issues that, when considered, will have varying degrees of importance. If faced with a long list of weaknesses, we would guide teams to search for patterns among the weaknesses or alternatively determine whether the weaknesses have a common source. Quite often, a priority may be found in the choke point of a key process within the business, which may be producing multiple weaknesses within the business. Also, I would say that when you're looking at the external view, When the team is encouraged to consider the opportunities and threats that exist to the business, external views of the business are critical to ensure the leadership team does not fall into the trap of being myopic or having blind spots or focusing on its own internal issues. All businesses operate in a competitive environment, and it's crucial for businesses to consider whether a key priority exists in the development of a response to an external issue that may exist presently or in the near future of the business. Also, this is very critical, some weaknesses may actually be by design. 
you may have determined strategically that you don't want to do certain things and you don't want to go after certain segments of the market or customer segment for very good reasons. Make sure you document those things and that thought process is carried forth as turnover happens in the executive team and that institutional knowledge needs to be shared of why those strategic choices were made by previous team member. Like the SWAT, reference to an overall checklist of best execution practices for business may help this executive team discover and prioritize areas of the business. I always encourage my clients to regularly assess their business journey using a checklist that I do provide to them as being a client of my consulting practice. Also, during planning sessions, I've found that many leadership teams want to set, they want to set a lot of priorities. And whenever teams meet and commit to attending to core business issues, a group-based adrenaline kicks in, which sometimes results in many priorities being suggested. When faced with this, the team will need to reduce the number of priorities it will work on to somewhere between three and five. A key argument for having less priorities rather than more is the reality of the restrictions on time, and resources that necessitate the leadership team to only work on a smaller number really, really well. It's better for the team to focus their attention on a smaller set of priorities and complete them rather than having a longer list of partially completed projects, and you always get better and more focus by subtraction, not addition. Addition adds complexity. Subtraction increases focus and simplicity. Selecting the right priorities to work on for a given period of time will ultimately be best answered by being clear as to what is being sought to be achieved. In consideration of what should be the priorities for the business in the short term, it would just be logical to ask, does addressing a particular issue help the business achieve its long-term goals? In this regard, the key process or approach any team should adopt is to ensure its priorities are in alignment this means that what is being sought to be achieved in the next 90 days should be consistent or assist with what the business wants to achieve over the entire year. Furthermore, what is sought to be achieved within an entire year should be consistent with what the business wants to achieve in the next three years. Now, that's not to say that a stated priority will always be connected to a long-term consequence. Sometimes in business, urgent matters come up. For example, if a key person on your team suddenly resigns or needs to depart for some personal reason, filling this vacancy may become a priority, and it may not be linked to an overall long-term goal. The business will sometimes need to address these types of issues, and they would be correctly referred to as a priority. The overall lesson today here is to create forward momentum toward pre-chosen goals and to make sure the business is proactively working on activities that will help achieve its long-term goals or strategy as the overall number one priority. Well, that's our Better Than Before show this week. I hope you enjoyed it, uh, except my singing, and that you will come back again uh, as we drop a new episode every single Tuesday here on the C-Suite Radio Network. You can also follow me on my social media channels. My Twitter is at Tony Richards 4. I also have a Facebook page for the business, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. All you have to do is hit the like button, and you'll be uh, part of that community. 
And if you go to my website, clearvisiondevelopment.com, all our episodes of Better Than Before are there, six years worth in the archive. There's 20 years worth of my writing and a video library of some videos that I've prepared there for you. Special thanks, as always, to our producer, Tessa Hall. And until we visit again next week, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.